Welcome, everyone, to episode three of the MFFL podcast here. I'm Frankie Lippolis, alongside my co-host here, Mitch Farnsworth, and today we have a packed show for you guys. We are going to be discussing the NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs, NFL draft, and much more. But to start the show, Mitch, how about you give us our weekly rundown? Hello, everyone. Welcome back to week three of the our podcast. Here's uh, the rundown that I got um, for everyone. In the NBA playoffs last night, we had Philadelphia take down Miami 128-108. Joel Embiid returns for his first game back after the uh, injury that he had. It goes 30 minutes, 23.7 rebounds. Philadelphia takes the 2-1 lead in that series. New Orleans takes down Portland 119-102. Uh, Anthony Davis drops 28 points, 11 rebounds. Niklo Mitrovic scores 30 points. It goes 12 for 15. What an amazing display. Uh, New Orleans now takes a commanding 3-0 lead versus Portland. Uh, Golden State then go, takes down San Antonio 110-97. Durant drops 26. I believe that series is over with the morning loss of uh, Greg Popovich's wife, Aaron. Um, what, what do you think, Frankie, just quick here? They might win game four, but it won't go much farther than uh, – they'll, they'll probably lose, but they might win for Greg Pop. I, I don't know if he's going to be able to come back or not. Um, they haven't said anything, but he missed game three. So if he comes back, maybe they'll win game four, but if not, they'll probably lose in four. Yeah, I believe that that's going to be a sweep. Uh, in other news, we got the Cavs playing tonight. Game three versus the Pacers in Indiana at 7 o'clock on ESPN at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. Other games on, Raptors at Wizards will play at 8 p.m. And Boston will be in Milwaukee at 9.30. The NFL schedule released yesterday as we have the Eagles, uh, Super Bowl champions, will start their defense of their title against the Falcons on Thursday night football in the first week. Uh, week five, we have Minnesota against the Eagles in an NFC title rematch. And then we have three big games on Thanksgiving as we have Chicago and Detroit. will start the Thanksgiving day off at 1230. And then the 430 game will be Washington uh, taking on Dallas. Then the, on the nightcap, we got the Saints versus Atlanta. Uh, in baseball news, the Indians will start their series versus the Orioles tonight, a four-game series. Uh, with uh, first pitch at 7.05 tonight. Orioles have just been coming off a getting swept by the Tigers in a three-game series. And in recent news, just in the past hour, we've got Mike Napoli has a season-ending injury, uh, tearing his ACL in his meniscus down at AAA Columbus. Uh, do you believe this could be season uh, – well, it is season-ending injury. Uh, do you believe this could be career-ending also, Frankie? Just a quick here. Yeah, most likely this will be career-ending for uh, Mike Napoli. He's had a, a great career um, on multiple great uh, teams. Pretty sure he won a championship with Boston. But to see him go down like this, it sucks because he wanted to give it one last hurrah. But it's most likely the end. He'll probably go into some sort of a, a coaching role once, his, once he rehabs from the injury. Um, what are your thoughts? I hope so. I, I definitely hope so. Mike Napoli um... – uh, he would be fit great. I think he would definitely want to go a culture, uh, coaching role with the Indians. I would love to have him on that staff, you know, having all that experience and being right. one of the coaches would be an absolute great thing for the Indians to have. Uh, getting back to the NHL, uh, we're getting back um, to the Capitals in the Blue Jacket series as the Caps come back from a 2-0 deficit and take the two last two games versus Columbus – uh, they now will go back to Washington for a Saturday matinee at 3 o'clock in Washington. Um, what did your – did you want to jump right into this, Frankie? Because that is the yeah. – my rundown of the week. Yeah. All right. All right, there's uh, Mr. Weekly Rundown. Um, so let's go right into NHL here. So Columbus takes the 2-0 lead. And then what were your thoughts? Well, you're a Washington fan, just for all the viewers. Obviously, you're a Washington Capitals fan. So what were your thoughts from Columbus taking the first two to now uh, Washington storming back to, to tie it? Uh, my thoughts, um, I really felt defeated after the first two games. You, We had 
uh, home ice advantage. We could have easily taken those first two games, head to Columbus with the momentum. Could have maybe even taken one from Columbus in that way, having going down 2-0. I felt defeated. I, I even thought the Blue Jackets could go home and sweep because they just have an amazing home ice advantage when they have the fans were are always amazing down there when they uh, when the uh, Blue Jackets are playing. I thought it was big last night, though, with the early goal. I think that was to get the fans out of it. That was uh, yeah. the main thing I wanted to see from the uh, Capitals. Getting that early goal, taking control. Uh, Tom Wilson with that first goal looked – it was, I believe, a great save by the Columbus goaltender. Uh, but then the puck goes right to Tom Wilson standing there with a laser to the top right corner of the net. The, that really would took the crowd out of it, I believe. Then the second goal by TJ Oshie with the uh, easy tap in there was big. That kind of – I felt like that took the air out of the building. That that was a big one. And then Ovechkin's three to put him up 3 nothing. I kind of thought that was going to be the end of the uh, game there. Jenner gets that goal for the Blue Jackets. I kind of felt a little nervous after that uh, goal. I thought that um, with that goal happening, because having being up two goals is probably the worst lead you could have in hockey. I because yeah, and of prior um, prior knowledge of uh, the Blue Jackets coming back from two zero goals in game one and in game two, that kind of got me nervous because that kind of got the crowd back into it. It was three. It was uh, three one at the time, it, and then I was glad that the Capitals didn't get nervous. They just controlled the puck, got uh, got everything under control. Uh, then I believe it was four minutes to go. I believe or three, uh, the Blue Jackets finally yeah. pulled their goalie. Uh, the Capitals get their fourth and sealing the deal, winning four to one. I believe that was. Uh, I can't remember the one but, uh, player, but Capitals to get the stick on puck and uh, right at the blue line, it, right by the Blue Jacket zone, twist around and put in a goal to end the game. Uh, that that was big. I, I was really happy to see that. Yeah, so game five is Saturday, like you said, pivotal game five now. So what, were your, what are your expectations going into game five? The road team has won every game so far in the series. So are you nervous that the Capitals can't defend their home ice or what are your thoughts for game, game five? five? I believe this is, this is the Capitals going to probably, this is where they need to end this series is they need to come home. They need to protect home ice. They are now they're back to square. They need to have a better start than they did when they were last time in Washington. I know they had the first opening goals. They've, I believe I saw the stat that the, uh, Capitals start the game pretty well. They are five, five goals to one in the first period, but then they cannot hold on in the second. So I would like to have them finish games well in or finish game five at home pretty well. Get the home fans back into it. So that was the stay out of the box. Those are the main things I want to see in game five. What are the main things you want to look forward to to stop the Blue Jackets from? taking game five and potentially winning it in six. Is there any like critiques? Cause there are a lot of power plays going both ways for this series, a lot of penalties. So what are your thoughts on that? The main thing I wanted to see was out, staying out of the, like you said, there was a lot of power plays. I wanted to stay out of the power of the uh, box at any cost. Just these dumb penalties early on going in four minutes into the game and we get a slashing penalty, or I believe it was a high staking penalty it, that those are mistakes that you can't give up to Columbus at Columbus. You, you just can't do that. So I want them to stay out of the box. I want them to win, keep winning faceoffs. They won 36 to 20 on faceoffs uh, last night. And like I said, I want to get the fans into it. That's the early you're getting a goal early and get those fans into it. That's what I want to see. For for my uh, Blue Jackets side of things, what I want to see from them is when they get have the man advantage, take advantage. They they had three uh, power plays and didn't could not score on any of them. Uh, Washington had 
three as well, and they capitalized on one of them for their second goal by TJ Oshie in the second period. But with the Blue Jackets, they had the early power play within like a minute into the game. They already had a man advantage, and they could not capitalize on any of their um, power plays. So that's what I want to see from them. Uh, Brabowski just needs to keep being a beast. Um, he's the X Factor. He's amazing. Then he's given them a chance, but uh, really a letdown because pretty much all the Blue Jackets have to do, had to do, was win one of the two games at home, and they could not do either of them. Game three, overtime loss, a little kind of a luck goal, just accidentally goes in the net by the Capitals. But it is what it is. Um, it's tied 2 2 now. Uh, Three games left, and the Capitals have two at home, potentially, if it goes seven. So, as a Blue Jackets fan, I am really nervous now. The first about five to ten minutes, the first period, will be really interesting on who's going to set the tone, uh, who, who's going to have any power plays, and are they going to capitalize any on any of the power plays if they're given any. So, and then, Mitch, real quick, um, who will end up winning this series, and in how many games do you believe? I think the Capitals will uh, prevail in this series. They have the momentum coming off of Columbus, uh, the two big wins in Columbus. I believe they'll come home. They'll protect home ice. They'll they'll go back to Columbus. I they feel good in that building now that they have two wins. I believe that the Washington could probably win this game or this series in six. I believe maybe that the Blue Jackets because they they are a team that does not give up they will play the full 60 minutes and they will not give up so i i could see this going six or seven i definitely am leaning towards seven because of that home ice advantage for columbus and game six but i think just the capitals get the it's a best of three series now and you have two of them at home i think that it's going to go to the capitals way yeah i'm pretty pretty much right there with you um i'll probably i'd probably take the capitals in seven but going in, game sevens are always interesting if you're the home team because then the crowd gets antsy if you give up an early goal. I mean, a lot can happen. Um, so we'll see. But overall, I'd, I'd, I think I'd take the Capitals in seven, Mitch. Any final thoughts on uh, this series? I just want to say uh, Brayden Holtby was a beast last night. That, that was a beautiful performance. That I just keep that up and – this series, it's been exciting. Great two goal, yeah. two great goaltenders playing against each other. I just love to see it. Let's transition from the NHL here to the NBA playoffs. Um, what have your thoughts been on this Cavs and Pacers so far? Um, Pacers take game one commandingly, and then the Cavs come back and win game two. What were your thoughts? I felt a little less confident after game uh, two than I was in game one. I, I felt like, yes, we had LeBron have the 46 points, but wh where is everybody else? We have Kevin Love had yeah. 15 points, five for 16, and he is that torn ligament in his left uh, thumb, I believe, his non-shooting hand. Yeah. So that, that, that could be affecting them. J.R. Smith, 35 minutes, five points, but he did have that great defensive steal on Victor Oladipo. That was big play at the end of the game. George Hill, 20 minutes, six points. Larry Nance, two points. Jeff Green, two points. Clarkson, two points. Hood, five points. I, I just need to see someone else step up. I'm LeBron at 46% of the points. Everybody else is just watching him, I feel like, this series. Um Pace, not saying that the Pacers aren't a great team. I'm saying the Pacers, they've done great to lock down everybody else, uh, except maybe LeBron. A few points they do, but they, they just there's no really stopping LeBron. I'm just upset that there's no other production on this team. Everybody else is just watching LeBron play. Yeah, like you touched on it, you gave up all the points. Um, like the role players have been so disappointing ever since we had those – Rodney Hood has been probably my biggest disappointing player so far. He's just – him and Jordan Clarkson just have been relative no-shows. Um, I'm very disappointed in the way uh, the role players have been playing. But uh, I'm happy that Ty Lue went with the, the rotation change and got Jeff Green out of there. He is not good at basketball anymore, Ty Lue. And I'm finally happy the coaching staff 
put it together and he's going to come off the bench. So, uh, touch on game one, Mitch. What were your thoughts? They, they came back almost. They cut it to seven, and they could not make a free throw to help cut the lead. But what were your thoughts on that game one performance? Game one, that was a difficult loss. I, I believe that was um... – that the Cavs didn't look interested. They they on defense. They didn't want to play defense. They game one. I felt like was a slap in the face to uh, the Cavs that woke up this this giant of the Cavs because Victor Oladipo thirty two points, big game. I felt like it was a slap in the face because the Cavs just looked uninterested. They didn't look like they wanted any part of the Pacers at all. LeBron, 24 points, 10 for 14 free throw line, 0 for 4. We shot, I believe, 23% from the three, which you're going to lose any time. We shoot 8 for 34 from three. We shoot 38% from the night. But they just looked uninterested on defense. We got about 33 points in the first quarter, and we only score 14. It was embarrassing to watch. This should not happen to a team – Kevin Love, nine points. Yeah, all our starters. We had Jeff Green go 0 for 7 from the field, didn't score one point yep. at, at all, the whole game. Yeah. Like, uh, I think LeBron touched on it. He said, with all the rotation changes, all the changing of players, it, it was hard to get amped up for this kind of game. And you could tell uh, they came off so sluggish. Laid on rotations, they weren't defending the pick and roll at all. And Oladipo could not miss. It it was crazy how well he's been playing ever since he got traded um, from OKC to Indiana. But the Pacers came out and really set the tone. And then LeBron answered them in game two. And it was LeBron 16, Pacers three uh, to begin the game. That, and that's that was game six um, when LeBron was on Miami, game six against Boston with when they were down 3-2. He had that look in his eyes, like, we are not losing this game. Follow my lead. Yeah, uh, that, I agree with you with that. Uh, game two, that, yeah, that, that was big to see um, us come back. Uh, rebound real great with uh, that great first quarter. Uh, LeBron scores the first 13, 13 points in that game, correct? Yeah, I believe it was – 13 points and then love hit a three to make mm-hmm. it 16. That was, and then I don't know what happens. Then we go up and we're up what 33 to 18 or something like that around yeah. there. And then we score, we get to 39 and then these Pacers make a run and cut it to four. I, I believe at the end of the first quarter or I believe the second quarter at halftime, they were only done. Then uh, Cavs pulled away, kind of stretched the lead at the end, but we still can't let that happen. We're letting them back into the game at that crucial point, we have a great start and everything like that. And then they just seem like the way we're up a lot. We should just let off the gas. I I don't know why that's the point. You should be pressing down on the gas and ending the game early, but uh, Pacers, they're, they're, uh, they're a team that just doesn't go away. They, They come back, they play hard. Victor Oladipo finally has a team that he can show his shooting ability and being a leader on that team. So I, I give credit to the Pacers. That I'm not saying uh, the Pacers are a bad team. I'm just saying, you know, the Cavs should be winning this series with the way that we are playing into this. Uh, we were playing this whole season, you know, having difficulty. But at the end, we started getting that run. But now we felt like we've fallen apart here. We're in the Pacers, that they credit to them, they've showed up. They They have showed up and showed out against us. Yeah, I was there for game two, and you could tell when the hot start had the whole crowd pumped up, but slowly the Pacers kept taking it away, taking it away. Because what I see, when LeBron goes to the bench, the Cavs are terrible. Um, their second unit cannot hold hold the fort down. And then, like you said earlier, the role players just have not stepped up whatsoever. And But that's what, what I'm thinking about for tonight's game. Like, if the Cavs role players don't show up, I mean, what if LeBron has a poor shooting night? What if he can't get you 46 again? So what are your thoughts for game three tonight, Mitch, on the road at Indiana? This is a big game. Uh, this is a momentum-shifting game because we're in Indiana. We they have That team, that's always a great crowd to have uh, behind you. Indiana's big city. 
uh, big basketball city and basketball state. So they're always going to have that big um, momentum with the fans on them. So we got to start out great early because we need to have like a start we did in game two, but we need to hold the lead this time and not give that three or uh, cut it to three points or cut it to four points. And then we kind of pull away at the end. We need to come out early. We need the role, uh, the role players to show up actually. And we need, we need to get a win tonight because this is a big game because now it's, it could be a two, one we're down against Indiana and Indiana another has another home game. They could make this three, one going back to Cleveland. Yeah, I'm actually pretty nervous for this game because if the role players don't show up, I mean, I think we're screwed. I mean, I believe Indiana is probably honestly one of our touch, uh, toughest matchups in the, in the whole Eastern Conference because they have players like uh, Miles Turner and Thaddeus Young who can pound the, the paint, and we don't really have defense to that. So when we, uh, when we double team and they kick it out, they always have an open shooter somewhere. The Pacers are an extremely balanced team. With uh, having home court, if the Cavs don't win tonight, they're going to have to obviously win in game four. But I'm really nervous for this game tonight. Uh, do you think the Cavs win, or what is your prediction for tonight's game? I think the Cavs do win. LeBron drops 33 or 34, I believe. Kevin Love um, coming off an injury. It might sting a little bit, so that, that might be a – uh, a problem. So I think he only scores maybe 10 or 15, you know, with that injury kind of uh, holding him out most or for some of the game. Cause we're, we're trying to protect that. We're only in the first round. We got to protect that, uh, that injury and any injury that happens. Uh, like I said, we need to see the role players. I like to see that Corver starting now. I thought that was a good movement there. Corver. Uh, was it 15 points he dropped in that uh, second game? Um, I'm not sure, but he, he did have that good start. Uh, he was making his shots, so that, that's always good to see from, from Corver. He's about the only one off the bench. who or Actually, no, I'm sorry, off the bench. He did start game two, but he was probably the only real shooter that actually showed up uh, in game two. Yeah, uh, Corver, uh, he looked better. Rodney Hood couldn't do anything. We, he was doing nothing. Jordan Clarkson looked lost in this. I I, yeah. I need to see these shooters show up like Larry Nance. I need to see him being that uh big leader. I saw when he scored 10 points in the first game, I, I didn't see that. I, I need to see this emotion of a team that wants to win. Like I, I this is what I asked for in the start. I want to see emotion and they just seem like they're, you know, we're in cruise mode right now. I, I don't know why we are stuck in this cruise mode. I, I need to see a playoff team. I need to see like, – I want to see LeBron being aggressive again tonight. That's the one thing I wanted to see. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think um, coming into game three, I, I'm thinking this is a Jordan Clarkson game. He's going to show up. He's going to drop maybe 20, 25 points. I hope so. He's gonna he's gonna carry the calves. He's gonna carry the the workload when LeBron goes to the bench. If you had to guess one role player to to really step up and have a breakout game, who would that be? Who man? Um, I think Kyle Korver probably makes a few threes, but he's starting. So I would like to see um, I like to see Jeff Green make a big bounce back tonight. Uh, only two points last game. I think he makes a big uh, jump back tonight. The thing about Jeff Green is when when he shoots, it's it, they they're not even close. He just needs to to drive more. He he, I don't know how the coaching staff hasn't plugged plugged him in that you, you need to stop shooting threes because he they they started him game one because he could switch on to the the smaller guards better than let's say Tristan Thompson could or someone else like that. He, he's a better defender on the wing, so that's why they start him. But they're pretty much playing four on five on offense because Indiana is just begging him to shoot because he can't shoot. So that's why Jeff Green, to me, is he needs to stop seeing the floor along with Jose Caldwell. Both of them need to sit on the bench for the rest of the season, and I think you'd see the Cavs actually go out and, and perform well because in game two, when George Hill got that crappy foul, his fifth foul, he had to go to the bench. Calderon comes in, and here comes Indiana on the big run. I just... I'm not really liking Calderon and Jeff Green getting in big minutes in, in the playoffs. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? 
I'd like to see Jeff Green uh, get a few more minutes, only 13 last game, because I feel like he he feels he's a good guy that uh, jumps, I think, rebounds. I'm not saying rebounds in basketball. I'm saying rebounds back from a poor performance. I, I think he would. He, he's going to be big tonight. I, I'm not sure. Jose Calderon only five points, one three, 13 minutes. I, I think I like the rotation that we played last time uh, with James Glove Hill. Uh, Corver and Smith on the court right there with great defense because Smith can play on Oladipo. He plays great defense on Oladipo. I, I think we need to, that good start so we can then throw Calderon and then we can give LeBron a break. We can throw Calderon. We can throw Clarkson on the court. And the, we need we need somebody to step up on that road, that bench. We need somebody to step up. Yeah, all we need is one one player to have a breakout game, and, and then we could really take the two one lead, and then have Indiana on their heels. Because if they lose game four on at home, then they're pretty much screwed going back to Cleveland for game five. But how do you see this series end up turning out, Mitch? Do you see Cavs in five, Cavs in six, or does Indiana actually win this series? I, I don't believe Indiana wins this series. I think Indiana does win one of these games at, at home. I think they win game four. I think Cavs take it tonight. Pacers take game uh, game five on, would it be uh, Sunday, correct? Yeah, game four on, will be on. Um, yeah, they'll take game four, like you said. They'll split the home games. I think that, and, and then, then Cavs will take five um, at home, and then I think they will go back to Indiana, and the Cavs will finally win the series four to two. Yeah, for me, I'm, I'm, I'll take the Cavs in five because I'll, I'll think the role players finally step up on the road. Um, I think they'll win both. I think this one will be the close one, and then in game four you see the Cavs just just take control and and win in four and and leave Indiana like no hope. Um, and then in game five, the, the closeout game at home. I, I don't see LeBron losing a a game five at home, especially if they're up three one and it's an elimination game for um. Indiana. So um, let's stick to the NBA playoffs here. What has been your most entertaining series so far out of all? Of I've been loving the uh, 76ers and Heat game. I, I've been the games. I've been loving them. Uh, most of them have been a little chippy. So I, that's always good to have a little chippy there. Uh, the Sixers have taken the lead after that win, 128-108 last night. But I love to see that chippiness in the playoffs. It's pay, playoff time. Uh, Joel Embiid coming back has been a big thing because he's he's a big guy that likes he's a talker uh, as we know he likes to talk so oh, yeah. uh, I I love to see that the it's the chippiness I always love the shooting is amazing for both teams Miami looks like they could be in this series and uh, after not after last night because the 76ers pretty much blew them off the floor last night in Miami so it is two yeah. one they have a game uh, tomorrow night. I would like to see Miami. I think this will go back two to two. Um, so I, that's been a surprise for me. Miami get, staying in this series. And uh, I think this will go back two two and go into Philly. And this will be a great series going back. So that was kind of my uh, surprise. What, what was your surprise kind of going through these playoffs? How, how bad Portland has played mm-hmm. is me. It's for me. Uh, the Pelicans take game one in a thriller, 97-95, come out in game two and pretty much dominate. I mean, it, they lost uh, – they ended up winning by nine, but that game was, was way um, farther than nine. And then game three, coming home, they win by 17 points. Portland, their backcourt, McCollum, Lillard have been absolute no-shows. I, I'm, I'm ready to call Lillard the America version of Kyle Lowry in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's how bad he's been playing, like – the way and how Anthony Davis has really just stepped up. You let him win one playoff game, and now he's going to end up winning a series, and then they're going to end up playing uh, the Warriors, I believe. Um, but, man, Drew Holiday stepped up. He, he signed like a, a five-year, 120-some million-dollar contract with them, and that was, that was really ridiculed throughout the offseason. But he's making um, the haters uh, be quiet now because his play has stepped up. Rajon Rondo, out of nowhere, is, is just playing lockdown defense again. He's getting all these assists all, in all these games. And I, I'm like, Portland, where are you at? 
uh, I'm ready to call up Portland when the season ends and be like, we got this Brooklyn pick. Uh, hit us up with one of McCollum or Lillard. I mean, that's how bad they're they've been playing. Because soon, if they haven't really played well at all in the recent playoffs, they get the three seed and then they're about to get swept by the Pelicans. I'm just shocked how, how bad they've they've been playing in the series. Yeah, just think if they had Demarcus Cousins with them. I know exactly. That's what I'm saying. It, because they, if they win this uh, this series, which they will, they're not going to lose four in a row. And then you go into a, a Warriors series with Steph Curry injured. I mean, you got two, probably two of the three best players, uh, with Kevin Durant being the best player, and then Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins is probably the second and third best player in that series. I mean, you'd actually be looking at, like, the Pelicans could actually beat the Warriors. But that's a bunch of what-ifs. Um, the Pelicans still look really dominant with Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday playing. Uh, how about uh, Miritich last night also? Yeah, it was also. Uh, that that was a, a trade deadline trade they made. Uh, gave up a, a few first-round picks for him. And, and that, when they made that trade, they were they were either the eighth seed or the ninth seed. And if if you're the Pelicans and then you if you don't make the playoffs and you give up all those first-round picks, what are you going to tell your fan base? Like, you trade for this guy from Chicago. He, he wasn't – he's playing well now, but – I'm happy they they turned it around for New Orleans, and I'm happy that they're actually going to beat the, uh, Portland because I think it's a better matchup uh, against the Warriors. Because who on the Warriors is stopping Anthony Davis? Draymond Green is, and I'll tell you that I don't they, I don't think anybody on the Warriors can stop Anthony Davis. It's like Javale McGee is going to be their center. There's no way that the Warriors could counter anything Anthony Davis can throw at them. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's transition from um, the NBA here. We got the NFL draft is now six days away. Um, a lot to talk about here. So first off, Mitch, what should the Browns do with picks one and four? One and four, you should probably take your quarterback you think is the best at one. You, you have no, uh, There's no reason to trade down again. There's no reason to pick up picks again. This is the time to make the run. As we know, I, we're going to say – well, yeah, if the Cav- or the uh, Browns are taking another one pick, this guy's going to fall apart. Just pick the best guy. If it's Josh Allen, you love the big arm, you like to have the, a very raw prospect, and you want to mold them, you go right ahead and you take him at one. I know that there, there's other options. I, I would take Darnold at one if I yeah, so- if I wanted a player, but I think Josh Allen at one. You want to stick with one real quick? Well, let's just keep on one here. Go ahead and uh, yeah. give me your take with being a Browns fan. What what would you like to see at one? Uh, for one, for me, it's been um, it's been Sam Darnold from USC this this whole time. Um, he's the best prospect in this draft class, I believe. You have others like Josh Rosen and Baker Mayfield. I, I mean, if the Browns, like you said, if they feel like Josh Allen or whoever Baker Mayfield is their guy, then you take that guy and then you give him all the confidence in the world. He can sit for a year behind uh, behind Tyrod Taylor. And then you can mold them into whatever quarterback you want them to be. Like you said, um, I would take Darnold or Mayfield. Uh, that would be for me. I would stay away from Allen and Rosen. But I'd mostly, if I was the Browns GM, I would probably be taking Sam Darnold with one. And then with four, you can do a multitude of things. You can see if uh, Barkley's still there or Bradley Chubb. I would choose Bradley Chubb because then you have Chubb on one side, Garrett on the other side. And you could just take teams to town you know, after the quarterback. What would you do with the number four pick? I would say automatically number four. If Saquon Barkley is still on the that uh, that chart, you take him automatically. There is no question you should take Saquon Barkley. We're, there's people saying this kid might, might be the next Bo Jackson. And I'm, I'm not going to say – I don't want to say that because we don't know. Uh, Bo – but that's pretty right. good if you're being compared to Saquon. Uh, Saquon's getting compared to Bo Jackson and trying to be the next Bo Jackson. But I would say just go because he's a big running back. He has a speed for a giant guy. I'm taking him automatically. Anyway, he if he if he's not a, there, uh, if going four, if he's there at four, take him. But if he's not, you've got still a lot of options. You have another great player that is sitting there you could go with bradley chubb out of nc state you line him up with the uh, miles garrett you have great two defensive ends there you can match them up and that's just a nightmare 
for any quarterback because all three quarterbacks are great in the uh, in the AFC North. There, you want to have that great. You have to have a great defense in the AFC uh, North if you want to have any chance of winning the AFC North or any. And for any reason, you know, playing in the NFL, you have to have a great defense. Yeah. Um, now, if I'm the Browns sitting at four, right? Let's say they take Darnold, whoever, whatever quarterback they think is the best at one, right? Correct. I would not be opposed to trading four down. Um, let's say uh, Buff- Buffalo offers like four or five picks because Buffalo wants to get their quarterback at four, right? I would not be opposed to trading down and then trading back up if that includes getting here they feel like. Isn't really a first-tier player like the top ten picks, but is sitting at like 14 or 15, but who can start and make an impact. But also – getting that player and walking away with two or three other picks. See, I would not be opposed to doing that. But if the Browns feel like they want to just get two all-star players right now, um, then I'd do it if I were the Browns. Uh, whatever players are available there. Uh, would you be opposed to trading down? Uh, I don't believe so. I would. I don't think that would be opposed to that. I, I would say, you know, um, this class is a very offensive and well, there's a lot of defense too, but there's a lot of beginning. You got four quarterbacks that are going to be uh, the main focus here. Yeah, um, yeah. Maybe also Lamar Jackson will add five there. So this is a very um, at the beginning. It's going to be all very offensive, but the rest is going to be a lot of offensive tackle, defensive linebackers, and everything like that. So um, next year's draft, I took a little look at the uh, mock draft for 2019. It's a lot of defense again. So. Uh, if you want to drop back with the uh, the Bills, dro- drop at 12, and then uh, see if you can trade back up. Maybe grab a Bills uh, first-round pick next year. Uh, yeah. Hope they're not that uh, good. You know, I'm not – you don't want to say that, but you hope they're not good. Maybe get another high draft pick, and you could see if you can add it to the defense again next year. Yeah, that's, that, when I, I remember I was at work, and, and then we had breaking news. We, we traded – trade for Brock Osweiler, and then we get the Houston first-round pick. Going into the year, we don't really know what's going on with Houston, and then they um, Deshaun Watson tears his ACL in practice, and then they fall apart, and they fall to four, and that could happen with Buffalo. You don't know um, the expectations going in for Buffalo this year. So that's why I think the Browns probably won't be that good either. Um, we're about to talk about the schedules here in a moment, but if the Browns probably will be a top-five pick again, and then Buffalo, I mean – they made the playoffs for the first time, and I think it was 15 or 16 years. Um, but maybe they could have a, a setback, and then that could be another potential top 10 pick. That's why um, I'd probably only trade back with Buffalo because I don't think they'll be that good next year. Um, but real quick, uh, Mitch is also a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, Mitch. So what do you think they'll do uh, with their draft pick? So we're sitting back at seven uh, uh, for this year. Um, you know, a disappointing Last season, having a few games at the end not go our way, uh, we finished about five and eleven. I feel like at seven we have a lot of options here. We we are sitting back and we can watch at seven. See, we got a lot of teams that need quarterbacks ahead of us. The Browns need a quarterback. Giants need a quarterback. Jets need a quarterback. Denver needs a quarterback. The Colts are probably going to go defense, and then there's us. We we could go yeah. either side of the ball. We need help. Uh, we. At seven, I feel like if uh, Saquon falls to seven, which in some mock drafts uh, they have him falling to seven to us, I would take Saquon in a heartbeat. Uh, If he's there and everybody skips on him, you take Saquon automatically, no doubt about it, and you have a great running back. You have a great quarterback. You have wide receivers. You have a a lethal uh, offense for next year. You got outside Deshaun Jackson, deep threat. You have Mike Evans who almost catches everything that comes his way. You have all these offensive weapons. Now you get OJ Howard back next year, Cameron Brait next year. You have a very potent offense that can uh, play. So if Saquon's not there, I would like to take um, a defensive back. We, we need help in the defensive end or a defensive back area. Cause in the end of, uh, in our division, we have quarterbacks, we have, it's a quarterback fr- uh, friendly uh, division. We got Cam Newton, Carolina. You got to play two ten games a year. Drew Brees for the Saints, two games a year. And then we have to play Matt Ryan, two games a year. So you have to have a defensive yeah. backs that can play. I-, I would take Denzel Ward out of Ohio State, uh, 
quick guy. Um, he can you could push him back to safety. Uh, just an amazing player. I would love to have him in our uh, backfield or defensive backfield there uh, to pair with uh, Justin Evans that we picked up last year from Texas A and M. If Denzel Ward, uh, there also was another player that Denzel Ward was um, picked second. Uh, there was a better. Uh, Mika Fitzpatrick. Uh, no, they have a higher touted from Florida State, Jermaine uh, oh. James. I would like to see him also. Uh, they have him projected, I think, uh, Mel Kuyper, he falling down to 11 to the Dolphins. We need a safety. We can pair also with Justin Evans. We, he's got the length. Uh, he, we need, like I said, we need it. Uh, another person back there with Justin Evans going against Cam Newton, Breeze, and Matt Ryan. We need to have something on defense. But the the only reason I would take anybody on the offensive side of the ball is if it's Saquon Barkley is the only way I would take anybody on offense. Yeah, I think the Buccaneers are in a kind of an odd spot here. They're sitting at seven, and they already have their franchise quarterback, so they don't have to look at that route. Um, they could trade down potentially if, if some team like like Buffalo offers an exuberant m- amount of picks. Um, would you trade down uh, if Buffalo offers you like three first round picks? Oh man, I really never thought of that. Um, thinking dropping down. Um, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are right now. They're a playoff team. I think you pick now. Yeah, like I, I think there will be a playoff team. Uh because uh, of the amount of offensive power they have and a great defense that they have. I think they're a playoff team. I think if you want to make an impact now, Tampa Bay needs to pick at their spot. They don't need to drop down and gain any picks. We need to, if you want to win now, cause you have Jameis Winston. Now you have all these franchise players. You just signed Mike Evans to a five-year deal. It's time to win. Now I, I'm taking it seven. I, I'm not really thinking about dropping down. Yeah, it's pretty interesting for me because if I'm the Buccaneers uh, GM, I mean, if I'm sitting at seven, and let's just say, like you said, um, Jerwin James and uh, Saquon Barkley are there for me at seven. I mean, two starters, you can plug them in right away and and just bang franchise players. Or um, you can trade down, but I'm I'm right with you. I'm probably taking the franchise player letting him start getting another impact player who's going to make plays for you every Sunday. Um, so let's go into the, the schedules were just released. Mitch, do you have the Buccaneers schedule? In front yes, of you? I do. All right, let's run over the Buccaneers since we're on them. All right. So uh, first game of the season, tough one at, at the saints to start the season. Um, that, that's going to be a difficult game. I, I would say uh, that's going to be at one o'clock kickoff. Uh, I would say they probably lose that first game. Uh, against the Saints, Drew Brees, and everything like that. Uh, then they have to host the Super Bowl champion Eagles week two, uh, Steelers week three. Uh, that'll be a Monday night football game, I guess, on uh, ESPN 815. I could very much see the Buccaneers starting the season 0-3. Uh, I, I, Saints, Eagles, Steelers is pretty brutal. I know two of them are at home. That's going to be brutal. At Bears, that's probably a win. Then you get a bye week which could help because we have then the Falcons. You have to travel the Falcons. Uh, that that should be – that's going to be a difficult game going against Matt Ryan. Uh, that should be a f- high-scoring game, I believe. So, um, uh, I, I think the Bucks fall in that game also. Browns, I know people are picking the Browns, but I think the Buccaneers at home, uh, the 1 o'clock game on Fox, I, I think the Buccaneers probably put away the Browns in that uh, that game. At the Bengals yeah. should be a win. Uh, that that team's starting to uh, kind of fall down, I would believe, with the Ravens. It's definitely going the wrong way. Uh, the Panthers at the Panthers is always going to be tough. I think I'll take the Panthers in that game against us. Redskins should be a win. Uh, at the Giants should be a win. 49ers, I know, with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I, I think they still are a few years or probably another few players away from making a uh, run here. I know they had a pretty good record at the end of the season going uh, at the end there, but they were, you know, playing free. They didn't have to worry about a playoff spot or anything like that. So I kind of felt like that was yeah. that's why the 49ers had success. Panthers at home could be a possible win, but then you have back to back against the Panthers and Saints. That'll be difficult to go on a bounce back if you do have a tough game at the Panthers, and then we have the Saints. 
And then uh, on the road against the Panther or the, uh, I'm sorry, against the Ravens, um, another one o'clock game. Uh, that should be a win in Baltimore. And then at Dallas should be a fun game. I, I could see that going either way. That's a two days before Christmas game. Um, I, I could see the Buccaneers maybe pulling an upset over the Cowboys. Cowboys are getting, they have a uh, Dak Prescott and I know that we have, they have um, uh, Zeke Elliott. I think, the bucket, but they don't really have any wide receivers left for the Cowboys unless they take a, a pick here. Des Bryant being gone and everything like that, um, that could hurt the team because he was a very big leader for that team. Uh, then the Falcons to end the season, that's going to be a tough game to end the season on. So I predicted, I believe, a, uh, a nine and seven, a nine and seven for the Buccaneers this year. And depending, that could, that could be, um, a wild card spot, depending on what other teams uh, perform. Um, when I'm looking at this Buccaneers schedule, you said nine and seven. I'm kind of looking at at seven and nine here. I think the first five games, it could easily be looking at one and four. Um, that because they have the bye week, week five, and then week six, the Falcons. I think it's it's hard to overcome slow starts like that. Um, so that's why I think they'll end up with around maybe seven, eight wins. But it'll be interesting. Uh, it'll it'll definitely be interesting to see who they'll draft. Because if they have a Barkley, then maybe they can win more games. Um, or they take the defensive back who can make plays. Um, so do you think 9-7 is good for the playoffs this year? Or do you think they're one year away? We got some good teams going that are kind of mid-pack. We know the, the definite ones like the Steelers are going to the AFC. And, you know, the NFC we're probably going to have. Falcons again, we'll have probably the Eagles again, we'll have the Vikings again, we'll have all those teams that were uh, great last year probably make it. Saints will be back up there. Uh, if, if Drew Brees holds on, we can see if uh, he has a great wide receiving group around him. Uh, yeah. that They should probably make the playoffs. I'm not sure 9-7 and because uh, the Buccaneers play in probably one of the toughest divisions in all of football because you oh, yeah. got – Saints have Drew Brees, like I'm saying again, uh, Drew Brees, Cam Newton, and Matt Ryan. You got all franchise quarterback Drew Brees kind of coming to the end of his career. But um, I, I'd see probably the Saints taking a quarterback here, you know, this year uh, in maybe one of the later rounds, mold somebody behind Drew Brees, which would be a great idea. But um, still, it, it's one of the toughest divisions, and you got to play all those teams twice. That That's difficult. I, I saw kind yeah. of in the middle of the uh, November or start of, like end of October and November, pretty okay teams that you can probably yeah. beat most likely Browns and the Bengals tough game at the Panthers, but then you have Redskins giants and 49ers that that's could probably be the uh, defining of the season right there. That, that, that yeah. part right there is how well this, uh, what the ceiling could be for the Buccaneers this year. Yeah, I think the NFC is, is going to be stacked this year because you mentioned all those great teams and you still didn't even mention Aaron Rodgers. Mm, that's, I'm um, sorry, I, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think 9-7 and seven doesn't get them into the playoffs this year, but if they draft Barkley, maybe they can sneak out another one or two, maybe get 10 wins, but I think 9-7, and seven, it, it won't cut it for you for um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. I think uh, Jameis Winston is the ba- biggest factor we need to see. We need to see Jameis Winston that – is a franchise quarterback. We want to see him do well. You know, last year was, we need to see a bounce back season from him. Five and 11 is just not great for a franchise quarterback to start the, his career out as uh cause what is it? Was it 2014? He was drafted. Um, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. And then followed up by Marcus. Mario yes. Though. Yeah. So we're four years in here and we uh, haven't made the playoffs since, 2000 when we ever won the Super Bowl we haven't been to the playoffs since or I believe maybe it was different we've been there one time since but yeah we still haven't had success you know this is a franchise in the last 10 years that's uh had fallen on hard times with um yeah all these quarterback problems but now we have the franchise quarterback we have a wide receiver that's one of the best in the uh, in the NFL with Mike Evans we just need to be ready this year. The defense looks okay. Uh, we, if we can add another one in the draft, another defensive back or a safety, I would be really happy with it. All right, that'll wrap up our Tampa Bay talk. Mitch has them going 9-7. and seven. I have them 7-9. and nine. And let's take a look at the Cleveland Browns schedule now. We have uh, first game of the year, home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
probably a loss. And then at New Orleans, probably a loss. Uh, New York home Thursday game, I'll give them the win. Um, then Oakland, probably a lo- at Oakland, a loss. Baltimore, loss. The Chargers are an, an up-in-the-air game for me. I'm not sure. It's a home game for the Browns. You still have Phillip Rivers for the Chargers, so I'd probably say loss for the uh, the Chargers. Uh, loss to the Chargers from the Browns. And then um, at Tampa Bay, um, probably a loss. At Pittsburgh, probably a loss. Um, home against Kansas City, yeah, probably a loss. Then you have Atlanta at home, and then you have a late bye week this year. Um, and then you go after the bye week, you travel to Cincinnati, which isn't obviously far. Um, so I'll give the, the Browns the win that week. At Houston, I'll give them the loss. Carolina, loss. And then to end the year, um, at Denver, Cincinnati, and, and at Baltimore, I'll give the Browns two out of three games there. They might beat Denver, and they'll probably beat Cincinnati, but we'll probably end the year losing to Baltimore. So this year I have the Browns probably going 4-12, and 12, maybe 5-11 and 11 at best. What are you, what's your outlook for the Cleveland Browns this year? Oh, man, what a, what a draw here. Um, again, Pittsburgh in the first week of the season. Uh, that's yeah. always going to be a tough draw. Um, th- this is the first two weeks are pretty tough draws because – you're going to start 0-2, I, I would say, with uh, Pittsburgh at home at a 1 o'clock game, and then you have to travel to New Orleans in the Dome at 1 o'clock. Yeah. What a, what, this is a difficult draw. Uh, and then the Jets is probably a winnable game. Thursday night football, you're on prime time. You should probably win that game. Oakland is on the way uh, to – they're they're a good team, you know. Derek Carr, they got their franchise quarterback going. They got Khalil Mack on the defense. They got great things going for them that way. So that's going to be a loss. I would say Baltimore. Baltimore is a winnable game. Week five, Chargers. Yeah. That's going to be a difficult game uh, at home. Uh, the Chargers will be definitely uh, a team that's on the right way going up with Bose on defense and leading the charge for them. Um, do you like that Chargers charge? That's good. Um, like then Tampa Bay, that's going to be difficult. Two home games back-to-back. Baltimore and the Chargers will both be tough games. Then you got to go the Buccaneers on the road is difficult. And then back-to-back, the Bucks and the Steelers again. Then the Steelers play twice in the first two or, or first eight weeks. Two out of the eight games will be against Pittsburgh. Um, Chiefs. That could be a winnable game. I, I could see the Chiefs because they're going with Patrick Mahomes now at quarterback. So uh, that the Dorsey has his ties to Kansas City, so that's going to be a good game to watch. Uh, Atlanta, that's going to be just a loss. Uh, we can just skip that. Yeah. Then I'd Fredo. say with the late bye, I think that could help the Browns a lot. Um, there's some winnable yeah. games here in the last uh, few weeks here. They got the bye at Cincinnati could be a win. Um, at Houston, uh, if that that's against Deshaun Watson, that, that, yeah, that's going to be a loss. Carolina, Cam Newton, I don't see anybody really stopping Cam Newton or anybody on the Panthers. Broncos, that could be a winnable game, but it's at Denver, mile high. You're just coming off yeah. a home game about the Panthers. So it, it's going to be difficult because the last uh, six games, your last six games, are uh, two of them are at home. That, that, that's a difficult thing I see. Um Denver, that's going to be a tough game on the road, like I said. Uh, Cincinnati should be a win. Uh, I, at home, you got that week 16. And then at Baltimore, I think they win. I, I think they could probably win four games in their division and probably not against Pittsburgh because Cincinnati and Baltimore, I feel like you're going the wrong way. They, they are uh, – the Ravens, Joe Flacco is getting up there in age. Uh, they're older guys. They're staying uh, with um, – Older guys on that defensive end of the ball, Ray Lewis, you know, they haven't really drafted anybody, you know, high uh, since they've been so up in the uh, um, with great teams in the last few years. But now they're I feel like they're on the uh, fall here. The Bengals are on the fall here. I think those are winnable games. Uh, so there I could see four wins in the vision. Uh, man, uh, I have them at five and eleven. Yeah. Because the rest of these tough games, I could say probably the Jets, they could beat. Uh, I could see five, six. Um, that That's kind of where I'm at 
with the Browns. This is a tough draw, definitely with the Steelers in the Saints' first week of the two weeks of the season. That that's just a tough draw already. All right, Mitch. Let's close out the show here. Um, we have Mitch's takedown of the week, Mitch. Who are you taking down this week? So I saw this report that the Browns should take are considering taking a quarterback at one and four. I don't know why. Why would you do that? You you get your guy at one. That should be your spot that you get your franchise quarterback at. I know you tried it for the last 20 to 25 years, and you've been trying – well, 18 plus two, not 20. The 20 years. It's been exactly 20 years you've been trying to find your quarterback, and now you're thinking, let's figure out to say – let's make a competition between two guys at one and four, and we waste it on another quarterback well, we can't find one. Let's try two. No, that's a terrible idea. You find another offensive weapon for uh, number four, or like you said, you drop down to four, gain picks for next year, but you need to get that franchise quarterback now. You don't need to have any competition between those two while Tyrod Taylor is standing out there trying to prove something to these two youngsters. It should be one guy that's sitting behind Tyrod Taylor that should be ready to go, If it's Josh Allen, he's a raw prospect. He's going to learn. You need to let him learn. You don't need him having the uh, monkey on his back of having Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen or Baker Mayfield standing behind him the whole time saying, well, if you screw up, I'm the guy next. You don't need that. You're putting unnecessary pressure on that first guy you pick at one. You don't need to. Take a one at four. You don't – you just take one. Saquon Barkley is going to probably be one of the greatest running backs, or I'm not going to say that early because we've had running backs of like Trent Richardson and never like that for the Browns. But you don't need uh, – Saquon Barkley, I think you take it four because that's a risk you can take because you got Carlos Hyde now back up to him. So now you have that Carlos Hyde uh, running back just in case to be second. You should be fine. Take uh, Barkley then at four. If you don't want Barkley and Bark- or Barkley is gone, take a defensive end. Bradley Chubb, take him, match him up with Miles Garrett. You have a great defense and you play in the AFC North. You should be ready to play against the Ravens, Steelers, or you against uh, the Cincinnati. You should be ready to go. You should not need to take two quarterbacks because it makes no sense to have a competition between those two when you have Tyrod Taylor out there. You should have one guy that's sitting behind him, watching him, being ready to go if any for any reason Tyrod Taylor is injured in any way. It should, they should be ready for anything that happens, and they should be ready for next year. I, I think uh, Josh Allen's still young. He's a raw prospect. you still got to mold him. He's got to get through his first season. So I think Tyrod Taylor should probably start the 16 games if he's able because we don't – this is what hurt Deshaun uh, Kaiser. That's why he's gone, because Deshaun Kaiser had to play, what, 16 games, correct? Um, 14 yeah. or something like that. I, I can remember. Yeah. That's what hurt him, because he wasn't ready for that. You put him out there, and that's why he went 0-16, because the kid wasn't ready. So you take the guy at one, you mold them into the quarterback you want, and then you're ready next year or then the year after that for Josh Allen or whoever it is. That, that is my takedown of the week. All right, Mitch, you got me ready to run through a wall destroying this idea, and I'm right there with you. There, there's no sense in taking two quarterbacks because, A, you're wasting money. You're wasting people's times because what if they're both great? You can't have two quarterbacks on the field at the same time. What are you going to do, trade one of them? I mean, you, uh, that could be what they want. I mean, have them both be really good and then trade one. But even then, it, it seems like you're jumping through so many hoops just to get more draft picks and when – when you could either A, uh, take the, a great player at four, or trade down and get and more picks there. Taking two quarterbacks to me is silly. I understand the Browns haven't had a great quarterback ever since they came back. And I, I get all of that hula. They need to find a quarterback. But to see people actually say, yes, this is a good idea, it just – it, it just – it hurts my brain. It, it really does. How is that a good idea, wasting people's time and money on these two quarterbacks? And, and what if they both suck? Then what do you do? You're stuck with two quarterbacks that aren't good. It's just – it's mind-boggling to me, Mitch. I, I feel it. I feel it. I definitely feel – see where you're coming from, you know. Um, you, these, this, if you have a young, two young quarterbacks and you think you're ready for, do you think they're ready? I think the most ready would probably be Josh Rosen, but because he's ready, he's got all the, uh, 
uh, logistics that he needs, and he could probably start right away. But the anybody else I would see on the, out of the other four quarterbacks, five quarterbacks you see, are not ready this year. They're not ready to yeah. start. Josh Rosen is the only one I see that could start. All right, Mitch, you got any final thoughts as we wrap up episode three uh, of the MFF? Uh, I just want to say go Caps. Uh, we got a big game Saturday, game five. Uh, that, that's going to be a big game to see back in Washington. Uh, that's going to be a big game for everyone to yep. see. Uh, that's This has probably been the most interesting series I found out of all the hockey ones. The other ones are 3-1, 2-1, already over a 4-0 sweep. So this has been the most entertaining series I've seen. So. Uh, go Caps, and uh, uh, hopefully we are going to do uh, something for the draft next week for the uh, podcast, so I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. So, uh, yep. yeah, it should be fun. All right, go uh, go Cavs. We got the Cavs Two. tonight. Um, really excited to see how they play. Um, Jordan Clarkson will drop 25. You can mark my words. Um, and then, yeah, we, we're going to try to do something uh, live for the draft. Um Thing is six days away, so next Thursday is the draft. Um, let's do it. Uh, let's go Cavs. Let's go Blue Jackets. And I'll see you guys next time. And this is the MFFL Podcast here, Episode 3, and we're signing All out. All right.